Hey, it's EDB. That's Eric Deshaun Barrett. If you connected to this when it's released, then it's somewhere near day six of month six, 2023. And I'm curious, you know, there was a documentary or a docu-series. Was it a docu-series or a documentary? I don't know. I still haven't watched the thing yet about Hillsong Pastor Carl Lentz. Um, curious. It's came up to me about two, three times. And, uh, so I think it's, uh, yeah, well, well uh, as it reaches the third time in my ear, then, then, you know, it's time to talk about it. And so Ian and I sat down for a chat. Also, it's day 93 before Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey go and kick off the NFL season. We're going to talk about that today too. Or should we say we're going to talk about number 93 on the list, on the journey towards our NFL season. All that and more we're going to get here. Get on, settle in. Just get on, settle in. And and tell a friend. Hey, it's CDB. It's ready to begin right about now. Yeah. Shorty loves it, yeah. Loves it and I'm a dog. They don't want it, yeah. They scared of what I know. Told you the budget, yeah. I gotta get my own. Shout out my bros. This right here deserves a toast. Good morning. How are you, good sir? Doing fantastic this morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Glad we can chat. Certainly. Same here. Uh, thank you for your your flexibility. We seem to have to like fit these in anywhere we can. Um, my um, <laughs> my granny has to go to the doctor tomorrow, and I forgot about it, and uh, so. Yeah. Oh, no, certainly. Yeah, we. Hey, that's first of all. That's what life entails. Life entails, and I've, I've learned that more and more. And some of the, if I can, even just this might be a gold nugget to kind of thrown out there. It might be nothing, but one thing I've definitely, you know, you don't want to have regrets in life. But one, so one thing I'm trying to do now more than ever is be more available to for people because you realize how much it even blesses yourself. Like I, I really learned that. I've been very. I think that that was uh, something that even hindered my, hindered me early on. So I think that I'm happy to do that, man. Happy to be flexible. And again, and so bless you for taking your granny to the doctor. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. She's she's got to go, and uh, and then Saturday we're supposed to have a uh, an event uh, that uh, for her brother. He passed away, but one of the uh, local leaders or one of the local representatives, I don't like to call them leaders, but one of the local representatives decided to do a uh, commemoration or resolution in his honor. So the closer we get to the week, it's like uh, I might you know, things might get a little hectic. So I'm like, let's go ahead and uh, get our chat out of the way and make sure it happens before... We get, you know, busy and everything. Oh, of course. My apologies if you heard that interference there. Uh, just uh, had a spike real quick, but it just it is minor and un- unrelated to anything we're doing. I just wanted to say that. I I, I looked up. I'm like, wait, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, because, you know. Yeah, so I'm happy I said it because it's, I know, I know. And this is just, again, all good natured because I, I, don't, uh, I don't care at all. I just know, obviously... Um, for anyone listening, potentially, I know on your end, some sometimes things go off. So, of course, this morning I'm doing some work, and I just was noticing something. I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it alone, but I was noticing something going on in the background. And then all of a sudden, it spiked up, so I had to nip it. And uh, so, yeah, my apologies for that. 
we're we're doing uh we're doing some uh some uh music work right now you know just being nervous. we're getting we're going live i guess and uh you know that's that's live habits but, yeah yeah no i was actually i was actually redoing the studio for the past week and this morning i'm doing some like the first some of the first test runs and getting mics set up and uh doing things like that so re- realistically it's uh you know not again not anything grand but still yeah so that that, that happens and uh so my apologies for that Oh, well, you know, it's all good. It's all good. I wanted to chat with you because something came up. Now, normally, I don't get involved in uh, these types of things. Uh, and okay. I, I, I like to stay under a rock, if you, cl- if you please. But I had a conversation with two different individuals over the course of two different days. Uh, neither one of them were related to the other. At least, not to my knowledge, they were. But they all brought up the same subject. And uh, two weeks ago, uh, some drama hit. And and I figured this is something to talk about because, you know, we're talking about Christian music. You ever heard of the organization Hillsong? I have. And you know what, my friend? I I actually expected you to bring this up to me when when we spoke last week. And uh, so, yes, continue. I have heard that. Ah, well, you know what? You're the third person who expected me to talk about this. And I'm like, it completely went past me. And, you know, I was like, uh, I got bigger fish to fry, but... um, Amen, amen. This is drama, so certainly it's not something that you're terribly, uh, again, remember you said this to me, you get a pass on it, because there are other things more important certainly to tend to, but you're, so you're not, but you're not late on getting to it, for sure. It's, it's relatively new. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, when it came up, I'm like, when did this happen? They're like, two weeks ago. I'm like, what? And uh, they're like, you really have been, like, buried in the churches. I'm like, dude, I've been dealing with you know various other issues like trying to make sure people have you know i mean i i deal in you know the everyday stuff and and if and if it doesn't come up to uh that i it, it, i i put that in the drama pile but or as my mama liked to say i put it in the stupid people pile the she calls it the stupid people pile <laughs> that's that's it at all you know and uh and something that when, when someone's that bold then you you know you, you take notice you take you're like whoa okay then and uh and she's not wrong and that's what it is you can't really call it wrong because you know we're all human we all make mistakes and certainly i think we can agree every day to a degree we have to laugh at ourselves or get angry at ourselves because of by something we do and uh so she's just so right because the people who don't learn at the end of the day they just, you know, you, you don't, you, you gotta say it, you know, you gotta call a spade a spade, as they say. So, uh, educate me. What actually happened here? Are you familiar with this subject? What, what actually happened here? I, I would never, I would never want to say that I could educate you because I do not know the extent and I do, I have not watched the documentary, which I presume is the real trigger point that we're talking about. Yeah. The real exposure point yes is this documentary that was that has come out and uh and i let me say i there's a christian youtube channel that i like it's called what do you meme and that's meme as it m-e-m-e so what do you mean a good you christian youtuber and he did some content on it and uh and again he again i you know certainly will say uh he does 
dab, uh, dab taboo into that sort of drama type stuff, but he gives a relatively level-headed perspective on it, which is what, what may, I think makes it a good channel. So I'll just recommend that. Is he's not someone someone I emphatically follow? I don't quite know his his real name, so I'll just recommend the channel and. uh I do did obviously know in this situation with this going on, I was curious and I wanted to know what was going on. So according to that resource, okay, let me say I'll, I'll share what I've learned, which is the documentary obviously exposed the life of this pastor, whom again, just even for the sake of even not getting his name, getting his name wrong, I'm not even going to say it because I, I know people know it. We'll just know. We'll just go with Hillsong because pretty much he's synonymous with Hillsong. Carl is his guy, name. Amen. Okay, thank you, Carl Lentz. And uh, so basically, the, and, and this is even why I think the guy gave a very level-headed perspective of the documentary, because if I can give a summarization of what he said about it, which um, about the documentary, I think he, you know, just he said he gave a, it gave a good perspective both ways, but in the end, kind of, it gave this ambiguous open-ended feeling where they didn't quite hammer, like, at first you made it, they made it seem like it was going to be a, uh, a sort of Review, like uh, open about Christianity and talking about Christianity and that in regard to his situation. But then it sort of started spinning in the narrative and sort of uh, taking Christianity down with him, you might say. So that's one thing I, I did take from it, which made me even did want made me want to watch it. And I, you know, never say never. So I might at some point again, just uh, not top of the list right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, so, but definitely, yeah, I'd love to hear what you think about it. Yeah, um, I, I I still haven't watched it. I don't know if I want to watch it. I'm I'm really not interested. The only reason why I'm having this discussion is because, it, like I said, it came up in three different, two different conversations. You're the third person who expected yes. me to mention it, and I did, and only because of the nature of, uh, not because of the drama. Let me say because I I do believe this is obviously like it is church scandal. Right? So we'll just call it what it is. But at the end of the day, because it was so big, I just felt like it was one of those things that again, and I know them just as you, I'm sure when you were hearing about it. It calls people's attention in such a way that you almost have to talk about it, even if it's in a minor way, even if it's just in passing. Um, so I, I that's only but actually it was that I had that in my mind at the beginning of the uh, talk last week. But then by chance and we were just talking about things, it completely left my mind, even until right now when you said it, it just dawned on me that I was expecting it last week because that's when i had heard about it is just a day or two before we talked so it really is relatively fresh but i um if i could uh you know really quickly just go a little bit more on it because i really don't have you know it's not something i i think is top priority or i think anyone should be like oh this i mean because i think this let me just say why it's because i think the issues in it are so easy to learn from we can we can just on the surface level you can see this and be like okay this guy had a scandalous lifestyle and did unbiblical things that were very worldly. He got caught up in things, you know, that's him, you know, may he come back to the Lord. That's between him and the Lord. So he got caught up in things. And even as it was stated in the documentary, as a result of his mega church status power, like he, this is actually one of the things in the documentary that, uh, this guy gives a credit to, which is, that they're very open with Carl Lentz, I believe is his last name, if, you, if I'm getting it correctly from what you said. So basically they're very open with his journey and with his 
growth as a pastor and honestly acknowledging that he had a gift. He was a talented, charismatic person. Well, and I, I don't mean that obviously in the denominational sense. I mean, he was a good leader. He had a good spoken, he had a good, you know, he, he connected with people. He knew the gospel and, uh, you know, so things like, well, so to, you know, and obviously to grow that type of church, you have some type of, uh, skills, you know, you're, you know, he certainly was a talented individual. Well, I don't so, know. I don't know how they portrayed it. But yeah, please. Yeah. The, the way they presented it to me, first of all, they they presented it as Hillsong Church. Yes, and, yes, that's very much what it, what I got the same impression. And I, I, so I had to think about it because they they labeled the actual church to him, which really he isn't Hillsong Church. He's a subsidiary. Of Hillsong Church, and so that—that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it because I felt like there was uh, a lot of uh, misinformation going on about it. Because oh, I, I love actually you taking that perspective. I think it is a fresh perspective to take on it. And I know that, and if I can, sorry to cut you off, but I just want to say I know you do have that uh, stance very firmly about separation of church and pastor you know to an effect very to put it tritely you know to like uh that you certainly you know recognize the difference between a pastor and the and a church well 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 because you know there's there's a lot of misconjecture here um first of all bobby uh brian and bobby houston is hillsong church those are the top dogs so, uh, what you have here is basically, and I don't know what church you attend, but basically what we did is Ian had a wreck and we attacked the whole church with him. When technically you are not Hillsong Church, you are just a subsidiary of it. He's a campus pastor, right? Yes. yeah. And yes. so when it came to me and went, oh, Hillsong Church went down the drain because and I went wait a minute wait a minute and and then it took me a while to think about it because they kept saying Carl Lentz Carl Lentz and I go say wait that doesn't that that's, that doesn't I and and it's been years I used to listen to Hillsong Church like like that was an everyday rotation you understand and really? uh okay. and so they they um they talked about it cuz they also connected it because they're talking about the church that's up there near you, which is Hillsong, New York, which again is a subsidiary. It's a campus of Hillsong Amen. Church. The actual Hillsong Church is over in Australia with with, yes. with Bobby yes. and Brian, uh, not Bobby and Brian, Brian and Bobby Houston. <laughs> And then yes. I even looked that up and realized that old old Bobby and Brian then retired. I don't remember what years they retired, but they've been out of the game. They're almost 70, almost 80 years old, those two boys and girls. So they're not even in the game anymore. And 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 this church is being attacked uh, as a whole because of this subsidiary. 
And then they, they, the other reason why it was brought to my attention is because they said, oh, well, he's attached to uh, the Hillsong Church that's attached to Virginia Beach because, you know, we have a, 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 another subsidiary of Hillsong Church down here in Virginia Beach. We call it the Wave Church with a guy named okay. Steve Kelly is the pastor of that piece of business. Over there off of uh, Great Neck Boulevard. I know that doesn't make any sense, but if you Google it, you will will find the church, uh, Wave Church, Virginia Beach, over off Great Neck. And I also believe that he might have some campuses somewhere, uh, but I haven't followed his church in a while either. So so that was the first thing that kind of jarred me is, what Hillsong are we talking about? And who is this Carl Lentz? And so I, I wanted to take my, my platform to clean that up because if I got confused, I'm sure that a lot of people would get confused and I don't think that it's fair to cast an indictment on the whole church when the whole church didn't do it. Does that make any sense? You know, I certainly can understand the stance you're taking. I can understand that. And, you know, I will say, if you know, what, you know, a few thought. I mean, I had thoughts real and through real. I, but I, you know, obviously I just think in a way, uh, the first thing I'll say is I think we can both agree what the guy did was incredibly unbiblical and misleading to many people and more or less obviously was the main thing is in his own soul and hopefully his clearing conscience comes back and you know and he'll he'll work his own things out because obviously he's gonna he's got his own thing going on so um but more or less so can we agree on that that what what the main purpose of him in the documentary was a good focus because he did bad things can we agree he said you know can we agree on that I can agree on what you said. I haven't seen the thing, so you know, I I, I don't. Okay, so yeah, that's why I more. I just wanted to more or less talk about that because I know we're actually steering it to a place where I think the conversation actually is really lies. Because let me say, actually, I love. That's why I, I'm so happy and blessed to be here and talk about this because, in a way, a deep, rich back and forth could be had in this regard because. At some point, one could ask at such a large church and with such glaring offenses, I call them offenses, call them sins, we'll, you know, we'll say, and then uh, we can clean these things up more and more with more detail. But I mean, I, I, I don't know if anyone told you potentially what, what happened, but more or less, the, where does the church become complicit when said things are exposed in time? Where does the church in church discipline being what I'm speaking of, where does that come into effect if said pastor, you know, I mean, again, and certainly I wasn't there and I have no knowledge of what, quote unquote, like you, because I think you're very much hitting us, hitting a good trigger point, a good uh, poking, uh, you know, uh, what do you call those? What do they, people call those things? I forget even right now, pressure point. But more or less, you know, when it comes down to it, it was such a big church. It's hard to believe there wasn't some checks and balance, some form of system watching, brother, you know, just brother watching that. No, no people couldn't see the signs. People couldn't see the writing on the wall. So I, I don't know. I haven't seen the documentary, but let me just. I'm just curious what you think of that. In very much, you know, I love the conversation. So I'm just putting that to you. Is 
in my my thinking, just on the, on the surface of just the situation, it seems unlikely. You no know, people didn't know about it through the course of time, and what not knowing the timeline. So we're of course you know reaching. I'm just, so I'm just curious, where would the church be in something like that? So say the church of Hillsong in New York, the Hill, the New York Dispatch or Branch or whatever um, of their of that church. Where would what would you know, would they not be complicit to it, it to be subject to in the documentary if they knew things were going on? And I'm just, I'm, I'm just asking that as a question. So uh, you got a lot to unpack there because uh, yes, yeah, yeah, you, you 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 put a lot out there. Um, two things. the The first thing is church drama happens every day. I've seen it dang, dang near forty years of my life. So. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I, I, I've only been in it a little bit, but I've heard obviously tons of things like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get involved in in church drama. That's just praise God, and that's the, that's the way to be. Okay, so, but the only reason again why I decided to even mention it is because the two or three times that it has been brought to my attention, it was brought to my attention inaccurately. And that, so, again, uh, T.D. Jakes, Bishop T.D. Jakes in the Potter's House, uh, one of their campus churches had some drama some time ago. The only difference between this particular pastor and the pastor at the Potter's House was the the Potter's House branch pastor wasn't as big as this guy. But the truth of the matter is when the, the drama happened at the particular branch of the Potter's House uh, in the church world, it was kind of the same thing. Oh, the Potter's House had a problem. The Potter's House, the Potter's House, the Potter's House. Well, first of all, T.D. Jakes is the Potter's House, not this campus pastor. So if you're going to cast an indictment on the whole church, make sure that you are, you know, you got your facts straight. And so the document or the docu-series might have uh, made that crystal clear, and I'm sure it did. Uh, I did not watch the series. I have, I have yet. I thought about watching it. I have not. I've been in the middle of watching this wonderful piece of business that's on Netflix called uh, The Night Agent, and that has been consuming my time, and I've enjoyed that. And so, you know, I, I just haven't decided to get involved in anybody. So in that, in that awesome segue, I'll just be the one to point out the elephant in the room, which we're both thinking, which is we are speaking about this, having not watched the documentary. And obviously, they I'm sure but you know journalism even far better than I. So, they, I'm, so what I was saying is I'm sure they really did uncover it. And while I'm sure there's lots of cutouts cuts that we, didn't, we don't see, they, you know, I'm, I, from what I've heard, they give a pretty – open view into what happened and i actually do think you are speaking from a very and let me actually now go back to it uh let me just first say uh, the situation is different again to the potter's house one as you're you're you pointed out it's this is a bigger church with more the reason even uh the pastor is a bigger name several campuses you know so that that right there and i think you you know this too and that's just 
we have it has to be said. The reason they pointed out Hillsong is because it's so it's almost it's, it is a brand. I mean, it's so. It's, it is the church of the world, you might say. From I don't want to. That's like that is way too broad and inaccurate. I mean, it's, I mean it's, is, it's the church of. Happen. It's the church of. It's. The, I'm just going to say it like this: It's the church of white people. You might say that. You know, honestly, honestly, I'm not even going to uh, fight that because I don't know their demographic at all. It, it's the, it's, it's, it, trust me. It's, trust me. Group, trust me. Even, trust me. It's the church of white people. You know, I'm not surprised. And, uh, you know, but more or less, let me say even, I know, I, I even going back to some, one of my first thoughts, and I think this is just, again, because we're just dialoguing on this, and I think that, even, that we took a good steer into, like, the weeds of just left back and forth and random on it. So more or less, well, something that crossed my mind is Hillsong is so big, they're so commercialized now, so that from the outside, they're almost a corporation. And to them... That's the way it's always any, been. Yeah, any news is good news. So they're like sitting back in their basically their church meeting, going, "Oh yeah, did you see these bad reports about us in this documentary?" And they're shaking their arms. And they're like, "Oh yeah, that's that's pub- that's free publicity." Which that's that's I feel like oh, that's their mentality. That is judging, judging, but certainly uh, they claim to be brothers and sisters. So again, on the outside, they present themselves as that type of big conglomerate style like that. So, well, well, I cut in. And and I I want to make sure that that uh, that people understand what was saying and and uh, but they are the church of white people and I don't I don't mean that to gotta make sure it's on it well I don't mean that to be derogatory but what I mean is that the average black person probably has never heard of Hillsong probably never heard of their music they may sing it but they don't know where it came from so. Uh, this is something that literally, if, uh, unless it came on the news, which it might have, that the average person in the black church didn't hear about it. So, so, so there's that. Um, it's also the church of the black college, excuse me, the white college student. So that's kind of where their marketplace has been more uh, our age and under has been, uh, uh, well, maybe a little bit more. But I I think that their demographics was more maybe 30. I think when I came along in college, uh, they were just getting hot. So about 40 under is uh is is the demographics for uh, a, a hill song unless it has changed in the last 20 years which they would tout that they are multicultural and and they're uh you know uh, interracial and all that good stuff which kind of irritates me at this point because you know uh churches or any institution for that matter say the interracial is like going to the walmart and picking up a box of crayons and loping up oh see here's a here's interracialness you know when everybody's wearing the same uniform you understand what i'm saying and so uh i'm a little perturbed by that because uh using that that crayola mentality uh, if you did go to the Walmart or, or to your local arts and crafts store, wherever your crayons and markers are sold, 
and you pick up a pack of those, you are going to see multicultural. It's going to have black, it's going to have white, it's going to have red, it's going to have yellow, it's going to have green. But again, they're all made by the same individuals and they all have the same uniform and they're all designed to do the same thing. So just different colors, same mindset. So so I, I do not truly believe that any organization at this point has ever mastered the idea of interracial and, and, and multicultural because to do that is extremely messy and that's just not possible. So let's put that to bed. Uh, is interracial and multicultural, before I completely put the kibosh on it, is that truly possible? Sure, it is truly possible. Uh, is that probable in, in, in today's culture? Probably not because again, uh, there has to be this one idea and this one uh, train of thought as it pertains to the church. There's going to be one vision for each one of those churches. And to truly blend those racial lines, that, that, is, that is a lot of, of, of heavy lifting that has to happen. You're talking about uh, Northern Baptist or Northern uh, Southern, as you would call yourself, and a, and a hardcore hip hopist or or a uh, a uh, cotton picking uh, 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 Pentecostal, and, and you're trying to put those two together. That church's gonna get very messy, very messy. And uh, so I want to point that out. Um, the second piece to point out is. Uh, that you have this pastor, and again, I'm shooting in the dark because I really had no clue what was going on. But I believe he got caught up in some sexual activity. I believe there was uh, some, and I probably should have did more research on it. I was scared. I, I, well, I don't know if I was scared. I just... I almost didn't want to open Pandora's box because I really and truly didn't want to see it, if that makes any sense. Um, it's one of those things where I'm like, do I really want to know exactly what happened? Or do I just want to hear about it from what I'm being told and just uh, say, okay, cool, and kind of like, yeah, just keep that from me. It's like It's like COVID. You know it's over there, but I ain't going over there to try to catch it. You see what I'm saying? And and, yeah. so, and so that's that's kind of where my mentality was. Like, I, I don't know if I really want to get involved. I don't really want to know about this. I don't know if I really want to see this. Uh, as a person who has, uh, as I said, been in church and been around scandals and been around church drama for so long, I, I try to avoid it anytime I have the opportunity to. But I believe there was some... Uh, some issues where he might have raped some girls. Uh, I think that is what I'm hearing. Is that what I'm hearing? Is that accurate? You know, have mercy. I honestly have no idea. I did not. I I knew there was affairs. So let me say that. That's the one thing I heard. And if it goes further than that, I don't. I couldn't say. And, okay. uh, but I will say, I know it was. I know based on how big it is. Does now now it rings in it rings true to me that uh, even like five it had to be like it had to have been ten affairs to be worthy of a documentary like this. So I'm sure it was something bigger than just affairs. So that makes sense. 
So no, I'm not saying that what you said, but I'm just saying it makes sense that to me that something bigger did happen. Yeah. So, I, and I and I mentioned all that because you asked some questions, and I'm trying to get down to it. Uh you asked where does the church take responsibility? Well, first of all, uh, the church did take action when they found out they fired him. Uh so okay. so so that was there done. Okay. Um, but so I, I, I want to press pause here. And again, this, this sounds and, 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 and looks like another uh, moment of attack or assault on the mega church community. And that seems to be the, the easy pickings, if you will. Everybody likes to attack the big churches. Everybody likes to attack the Joel Osteens. Everybody likes to attack the, the TD Jakes. Everybody likes to attack uh, so forth and so on. I, I want to go back uh, maybe, what, 2010. So about, what, what's that, uh, uh, 13 years now. There was a pastor out of Atlanta who uh, Bishop uh, Eddie Long, the late Bishop Eddie L. Long, he was uh, the pastor of the New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. And uh, there was some cases that came out uh, that he was out raping boys. CNN ran the article. uh, All the major networks picked it up. The church kind of turned on him and buried him. And I don't think to this day they ever really were able to fully uh, plant the case or, or, or make the case that they had planted in the media. Now, one of the things, and this is definitely speculatory, but it is indicative, especially in our black churches, and the reason why I separated the two is because of that. We have to be cautious about what we're talking about because when I say that's the white man's church, you, you have to look at it like that to understand that there's a different code, if you please, between the white man's church and the black man's church. I don't like that code, but their code does exist. And so you have this black man in Bishop Eddie L. Long, the late Bishop Eddie L. Long, who was uh, preaching the gospel of spiritual independence as well as societal independence. He was preaching the gospel that, you know, you can uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He was telling the people how they can go out and create their own wealth, how they can divorce themselves from the government, if you please. And you don't go around talk about divorcing yourself from the government and, and, and especially amongst black people. Go around telling them how they can get off WIC and off food stamps and how they can survive on their own and, and that they weren't designed to be the broke man's uh, uh, God or they didn't, they don't, they didn't serve a, a broke God. They didn't serve a project God and all this good stuff that Bishop Eddie Long was talking about. And, and, and the government saw themselves losing their cash cow because all of these Negroes 
were starting to really overcome and, and, and march from the projects into these million dollar mansions with businesses and all sorts of other equity they had on the side because this black man started telling them that they were better than they really actually had been taught before. You don't do that and, and think that ain't going to be no trouble. So now this man is raping boys. Why? Because we got to put the Negroes back in the hole that we want them to stay in. That is happened or has happened to every black pastor that has spent his time. You look at uh, uh, Bishop, uh, not Bishop, he's uh, uh, Dr. Creflo Dollar. He's another one that has spent his time that is uh, elevating the black man and taking him, Bishop, uh, not Bishop, Dr. Uh, Creflo Dollar, who preached or whose mentality was that you should go from the dishwasher to the man who owns the business. And he has, he has preached that liberation message of black independence. And, and even, even in his case, when you start liberating a group of people, we're not just talking about black people. We're not just talking about white people, but when you start liberating people, there is this, this hidden rule that does not like, for people to be liberated, especially not societally liberated. It's a $27 billion a month business to keep people in poverty. It's a $27 billion business to keep people on the system, to keep people raping the system, if you please. That government cheese is a $27 billion business a month. So when you start seeing people weaned off that system you start seeing the government losing their cash cow and in some instances they don't like that so let me uh, be very cautious because we don't want us to ourselves to get canceled and we start raping boys and girls because we said the wrong thing so that's the first thing now let's go over to the white church because it's in some cases the same principle but it's on a different scale over there in the white church when you start talking about uh going against uh the fundamentalism or going against the the slave gospel where uh the massa is in charge and we are all bowing to him which is what the hillsong churches did they went and took those college students and told them that that what their parents was telling them was rubbish and that God was different from the God of their parents. And so they started liberating these college kids who had already made up in their mind that they weren't going to have anything to do with church anymore because they got tired of, of grandpa and pod and, and the fundamentalism of, of church. So they was heading out to the streets to go to the parties and the clubs and get all tatted up and so forth and so on. And, and, you know, Bobby and, and uh, excuse me, Brian and Bobby Houston, those pastors out there in uh, Sydney or over there, or under there, wherever you want to locate them. They decided to raise up and, and, and say, oh, oh, I understand you've been hurt out there and, and, and your parents have been leading you believe that because you're you're listening to rock music or because you're listening to uh, uh, more uh, contemporary music because you like the, you know, to go to the parties that look like the raves or you like to go to the, the, the parties that got the little strobe lights in it or you want the smoke coming out the floor when you when you have services that that you are going to hell and we're trying to tell that that's not going to happen so so it's it's been this war against this this individual 
or these community of individuals. Uh, so, first of all, did I, did I make sense about how those two different wars are put out there like that? I, I definitely followed you. I definitely followed you. And I, uh, let me just have, if I can have a moment. Um, yeah, you got to pause. Think about it. I, I, I mean, I, I definitely am with you and I recognize, I, I, first of all, just so many thoughts running through my head. So I recognize where you're going. I certainly get you. I, I'd call it camps. So I may say, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a friction between worships within churches there's a friction. There's certainly, obviously, uh, you know, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. You might, you'll have black churches who worship their way, white churches who worship this way. So I, you know, I will say throughout the, throughout that much of what I was thinking is, I feel like that right there is like a fundamental is at its, like, it made me think in a way, as I was thinking, I digress, it made me ponder into a way of what you always say, this institution, which our Lord Christ Jesus never fully in, instilled into a building, not one time. It was up into our hearts, into a confession of faith. So I think the real heart of this lies into the distinction between religion and faith. So I think in Western culture has really, and I've heard this throughout studies and people, seeing people, certain individuals as they talk, they just throw about the word religion and they're like, oh, religious people and people like, you know, and they're speaking about Christianity, but they're lumping Catholics and all Protestant denominations in together, as well as among that, in all those camps, they're lumping in those faithful of truth and spirit and obedience and those looking like in, in, look, they're seeming that way, but being of the world. So more or less, I'll, I'll I get to my point, which my main point is I absolutely get where you're coming from. And I 100 percent agree that worship worship has its different manifestations as it should. I think even I definitely am of the volition that we should not ignore cultural differences. We should be a, be a recognizing them and be leaning into our cultural differences and because cult, recognizing our cultural differences brings about, first of all, more, more, like, more just love in the world. But at the same time, it allows for a more open appreciation for cultural differences for someone's culture if it's all open and everyone's appreciating and everyone recognizes the differences that person can lean into their appreciation of their own culture in a much more authentic way so realistically my heart goes to sadness my heart just goes to sadness as i wish so obviously not to disturb anyone's worship but realistically i feel like it's what you say which is the body of the church is in our hearts so this division is a friction is a, is a worship friction because the faith that's in our hearts and the spirit of god that's in that should be in our heart should lead us to recognize okay if i end up so so if i can pause here if i can pause here because i think you, you, you you're going in, in in a way that uh that makes sense from a worship perspective i get that but these churches are not necessarily designed as worship centers. And, and I think that that is something that we have to pause to process accurately. Uh, their, their center is Jesus. Their center is worship. But the reason why I talk about cultures is not because of the culture of worship or the style of worship, but the problems by which these churches are trying to address. 
Now, when you're talking about the the college student uh, and the black church member, uh, there are two different ideologies because the average white student, when they get to the age of college, uh, they're mostly born, and these are people who are born in church. What what Hillsong did is is for the most part, they took uh, church white church hurt people. They took the the children of Jerry Falwell, the children of John Hagee, the children of the the radical Pentecost not radical Pentecostals but the radical uh fundamentalists the the evangelicals the hardcore republicans if you please they took those kids who got up and they were just straggling and struggling until they till they got once I get to 18 I'm getting the heck out of here or they didn't say the heck most of them said the hell out of here and that's exactly how how Bobby and and or Brian and Bobby uh presented that message that these were white children that were angry and then you had some black kids in there too and some other some other uh ethnicities if you please but it was an evangelical culture of young people who had just grown up and they were saying f this i'm tired of this stupid religion that i've been fed of 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 hardcoreness and and racism and all these other things that these old southern whites were presenting that's on one side on the other side you got the black churches who for generations and, and, and millennia had been preaching slave gospels and slave tactics and most of all the churches was filled with poor folks that barely got a high school degree and most of them didn't have a job that was more important than a fry cook at the Walmart or at the McDonald's. They were moving the carts at the Walmart and frying chicken at the McDonald's or the chicken nuggets, whatever you want to cook back there. And so these black churches like Creflo Dollar and Eddie Long and so forth and so on, they built these churches to be economic engines to free the people so that they were understanding not only the power of worshiping God, but the power of how God, through his magnificent abilities, because of the things that he had prescribed for us, that we had the power to gain and maintain and be uh, better citizens than we were in the earth. That is the mission of those two churches. Now, why do I bring that up? Because I can almost guarantee you, your pastor can do the same exact thing that Carl Lentz did and nobody's going to care. That's just the facts. Or it might hit the 6 o'clock news in, in Potsdam, New York, and they might talk about it. It might go through two or three cycles. But after that, nobody's coming in and do a documentary and, unless he, you know, drowned the girls in the bottom of the river somewhere and, 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 and you know, he, he Bill cosby them. But Nobody's going to have a big to do about it because the church that you go to is, is a church that nobody really cares about. This was this. We have to take into consideration. The only reason why we're having this conversation is because of how big 
and how massive this church is. And because truth be told, it is very profitable to hate on mega churches. So, so, so that has to be the centerpiece of this conversation that this is literally. And again, I say this is literally because of the size of this church, the amount of, of influence this church has on the world. That is the reason why this story is so big. Because if you go back and, and I will, and I will pass the mic here. If you go back and you listen to uh, the report that came out from the Southern Baptists some time ago, they were talking about the 780-something pastors that had uh, committed sexual assault. Notice with me that nobody went in. Now, I'm sure it may be in that report. I didn't read that either. Uh, but nobody went in and started calling out pastors' names. You know why? Because out of those 785 pastors, there were 785 nobodies. The, the issue was not those 785 pastors. The issue was we can launch an attack against the Southern Baptist Church. That was the centerpiece, the SBC. And they had all these pastors that were just ammunition for the war. Now, was Southern Baptist liable or was the Southern Baptist a bunch of jerks? Of course they are. Of course they are. But again, we must paint, paint the picture accurately and, and, and realize that even though the Southern Baptists are a bunch of a-holes that many of us in the Christian community can't stand, this was not really about pastors raping girls. It was about we got something we can launch against the Southern Baptist Church. Because whatever, whatever happens to those 785 pastors, we will never know because the news cycle is not going to talk about it. It's, too, it's too, too minute for them. Does that make any sense? Oh, of course. Of course it does. And you know, I of course mega churches are easy targets. It's, uh, it's that old adage, you know, with you know, with great power comes great responsibility and with great influence is great power. And that's what it is. They, if they, especially if they're all the more building economic engines than they are being in the world and putting themselves susceptible all the more to influence and sway and pollution and drama of the world. Um, it is just by nature the way it goes. And, uh, of course, the Lord moves in, in many mysterious ways. And uh, absolutely, I believe with all my heart, wants his people to prosper and have these growths. And so let me digress into where cause I, I, we did cover much ground throughout throughout that. And I happy so I even, you know. Some of it was off your, you know, off your chest, and, and I was able to hear and get to experience some of that. Because certainly, I recognized your passion for it, and recognized that. I mean, they, there have been. I I believe I know. I mean, I mean, I think it's very apparent. I think it's naive to ever say there haven't been grievous scandals. And part of me for even, or not part of me, but I mean, even if dare I say. Uh, you know what was where exactly what I'm looking for? This uh, not smear campaigns is essentially what I'm what I'm saying. So yeah, just essentially uh, taking someone and completely lying about them and turning their whole reputation into upside down and uh, and ruining their life. 
by chance. You know, and essentially, you know, they're they're essentially now no longer the same person they once were and can never be because of a lie. And I 100% know that happens. And I think it's absolutely a shame. I think it's absolutely evil. This is why I think even we we the conversation must digress into you shall know them by their fruit. I don't care what church it is in the world and where they are. Something like that coming out of a church is not a true body of Christ. I, I believe with all my heart is they may be one or 10 or five or, you know, among them, but there's, that's not true actions. And we've just come through that. It's actually so sad. I think in some ways, you know, if there's ever any content you want to make to that event effect to try and bring unity to the issue because I really sense it's a, it's a passion of yours. And I really sense that it is something that we cannot leave behind. We cannot forget. We actually, in all, in all credits, it must be known, but to an essence of bringing unity to the body of Christ, not even to the, and I even, let me even say this. If I may even actually pitch you to, to, to an effect, something I, we spoke about the Maranatha, Maranatha conference very deeply and something that really rings into me a lot in this conversation. And also thirdly, to come to come in here pairs to a, a, something you as a is a passion of yours, which is pairing the secular and the sacred bringing a, a may you say, might I, might I say an entertainment value to biblical conversation, theological conversation with, with a uh, acknowledgement of the world with news in it. So, and, and I, I, it's part of me if I misspoke that or if I said that wrong, but more or less, I just more. So what it comes down to is if we can do something for well, what it really comes down to is th- that the church should be a spiritual entity. As we discussed the IE a body of the, the church is the body of Christ on this earth. It spans the globe. It is, this, it is a spirit connected thing it should be a spirit driven entity so an obvious obviously throughout what we're talking about we've noticed the rifts call call them schisms call them corruptions call them fallenness um i mean certainly the law it's for the lord to judge and for us to to plow ahead and this is even why it's 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 Good. We have to be aware of these sins, aware of scandal, but never be in it. You know, and that's tough. Obviously, never say never. You know, we have to live our lives and and be guided by the Lord. But at the same time, what I'm getting at is a real, true, profound movement of the Spirit and something really impactful that we could do. Hopefully, would be to bring together something to that effect, something bringing acknowledgement to these differences and how it is the body of the church, I believe. And, we, and this was discussed heavily at this conference and you know, we, we can discuss it more in, in length, which is the spirit of the, the church essence, the, or the body of the church should be a supernatural collective based on the, the spirit of the Lord. So if we cannot come together in the church based on our differences, then we're just like the world. We should be inside the church as diverse as our uh, as our communities allow. And obviously there's going to be different churches. And one guy was even saying that this guy, the Baptist from Carolina, he was like, there's four mega churches within an hour in my house. There's so many churches, yada, yada, yada. So there's people have choices more than ever now, but still that. And he even said there's a cowboy church and a biker church, which think about how genre specific that is. And I'm not knocking those things. I think that's fine. 
I'm just what I'm saying is, and this is where I think we can maybe pave the ground is with all within all these schisms. Hopefully, because my my whole heart the whole time you were talking was on unity was on is there like you that question you even stated is it possible yes it's possible in the church because the church is a spiritual supernatural body so so, so let, me, let, not, let me let me let me let me let me say something that i'm going to have to bust your bubble on um hear it. first first as long as there's humans on earth that's never going to happen I'm not. It's never going to happen globally, of course. But that. So you. So I mean, you, I, I didn't clarify it good enough. But what I'm saying is, in churches, i.e., the the body of Christ, when we come together, you shall know. I. I this is something that I actually think is why the gospel is simple because of its straightforwardness. We should be always in love. You shall love love, love each other as I have loved you mentality and if we are in christ we should be leading with love which means the first is last the last is first you pull yourself back we shouldn't have ego that, to seek that our that's own that, thing. that 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 part that part is never going to happen and and i say that because i feel that we have to understand that or you're going to drive yourself crazy in this thing called christendom if if you if you if you first, as a mentor once said, if you can't first realize what never is going to happen, then you you start from there with what can happen. There there there's a reason why there's 500 churches on every corner because we can't get along with each other. That will always be there. Those churches are not out there because. The Cowboys just wanted to go be with the Cowboys. The Cowboys went out there because they didn't fit in, in First Baptist Church of, 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 of Norfolk, Virginia. So since the First Baptist Church of Norfolk, Virginia, every time the Cowboys came in, looked at them funny, they got the left for the fellowship and they went and started their own church. There will always be this mode of dissension. Now, there has been prosperity through dissension. But the truth of the matter is, they they were all founded. Every last church that you you go out and you see, for the most part, was founded. Uh, I mean, think about it. The, the 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 Church of God in Christ was founded because Bishop Charles Harrison Mason. I don't have really time. We're gonna we're gonna run out of time here, and I I don't really want to go into this because we only got like four minutes left. So I think that we should really go and start picking that up next time and really diving into uh what what this is all about but but i i just want to put this here because i think this is a moment of pause and a moment of of, of understanding that there are certain things that we're preaching that is just not going to happen and so now that we know those things now we focus on what can happen what is possible building individuals is what we have to do building people collectively from a a a, a individual community perspective is what we have to do talk we, we've been preaching about the the big the, the body of christ as a whole for years and every time that preaches just a big old smoke screen that never fixes itself because it's not possible 
It never was. It's not been possible since the beginning of time to bring all those ideas together. That's why the church at Corinth went over there and minded their business. The church at Philippi was over there. And the church at Ephesus. And the church at Laodicea. And the church of Galatians. And the church of Colossians. And all of those. Ephesus. I think I mentioned those. All of those different churches was over there and they hated the other. They thought the Colossians thought they were better than the, 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 the Ephesus. The Ephesus thought they were better than the Philippi. The Philippi thought they were better than the Thessalonica. The Thessalonica thought they were better than the, than the, uh, the Corinths. All of them thought that they knew more than the other. It's always been there. It will always be there. Church descent is never going away. Now what we're going to do to fix, now what can we do despite that is where the hope is. And that's what I would like to focus uh, the conversation on. So what I would like to do, and, I, and I've literally talked into the hour and I, we don't want to go over because you have things to do and so do I. So we definitely want to pick this up. So what I would like to consider for next time is to literally go through, maybe I will watch this docu-series and see what's in it. And from what I'm hearing from you, what I've heard from somebody else, I think there are some pieces in there that we really need to talk about. And so I don't know if we can do it all in one hour. I think it probably is something that needs to be broken down into to multiple hours to really talk about some things because I'm, I'm, I'm at a fear that I don't want to be uh, a hypocrite. I don't want to perpetrate hypocrisy here. And so I think that before I, I dive any more into this subject, I really need to know what went on in that, in that docu-series. And, and I don't even know if I even want to base it off of that because that could be slanted. But I think that's where we start. And, and, and I got some ideas for, for how we really have this conversation that might be fascinating come next time. All right, then. I look forward to hearing it. Uh, yeah, man. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, I think it's going to be good. I think it's, I, I don't think that anybody is, I think everything is based off of experience around here. So, so let's not go in and leave this thinking anybody's wrong or anybody's right, but let, let's, let's just look at it that, that, you know, it's, it's, it's experience and it's just, you know, a matter of perspective that has to be kind of looked at broadly. And, and that's just going to take time. And, and if I can, if we can agree on that, I think we'll we'll be all right to to part ways today. Oh, of course, we agree. Now, conversation is what uh, is what brings unity. Conversation is is key in love and key in relationships. So, certainly, brother, I'm happy to be here talking to you. I think it's again, I agree with you. It could be it's you know, uh, as I even said before, it's a rich conversation that can be had. So, I look forward to hearing your perspectives more thoroughly. Getting uh, understand it a bit more and uh, yeah we'll see what where it goes all right man well i'm gonna get out of your hair because it's it's literally a minute over the hour and, and 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 that means that i have kept you in overtime and if i hold you longer you're going to try to tar charge me time and a half and i'm not about that life so uh we'll get together again yes yes god bless you and it was great thanks for having me on all right man yeah. day 93 heading into uh, old Patrick Mahomes. You know, he was at the White House. He and uh, uh, old Travis Kelsey, they were down there. Uh, I guess it was the official, you know, ceremony for the, the champions to go and see the president. So 
you know, that just happened. I just thought that I would say that because we are, you know, 93 days away from old Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey kicking off the 2023-2024 NFL season. And we do that with number 93, Mr. Callis or Kalas. I'm going to say Kalas. Malik Campbell, born September 1, 1986. Of course, he's an American football defense. Well, we didn't know, of course, but, you know, of course, he was an American football. But he's a defensive end for the Atlanta Falcons of the, of course, National Football League, NFL. He played college football at Miami, the Hurricanes. And was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals in the second round of the 2008 NFL draft. Uh, he's six foot eight. Uh, that's 203 millimeters. This boy is 307 pounds. Well, I guess six foot eight, it kind of balances it out. Uh, high school, he went to South Denver, Colorado. Uh, as we said, 2008, uh, round two, pick 50. Uh, his career highlights, Arizona Cardinals, Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, 2008 to 2016, Jacksonville Jaguars, 2017 to 2019, Baltimore Ravens, 2020 to 2022, and Atlanta Falcons, 2023 to present. His awards is the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year in 2009, first team All-Pro in 2007, second team All-Pro 14 and 16. He got that twice. Six-time Pro Bowl 14, 15, 17 through 20. NFL's 2010's All-Decade Team. Bart Starr Award in 2019, Art Rooney Award in 2022, and First Team All-ACC in 2006. Uh, some of his other stats that are interesting to us. Uh, this is career NFL stats as of week 18, 2022. Tackles, 809. Sacks, 99. Pass deflections, 57. Forced fumbles, 16. Forced fumble recoveries, 12. Interceptions, 3. Defensive touchdowns, 3. Uh, is there anything else? Uh, uh, oh, it was South High in Denver, Colorado. I thought that was just weird, but he played high school football at South High School in Denver, Colorado, widely regarded as one of the nation's top defensive end prospects. He was ranked as the 10th best strong side defensive ends by Rivals.com and the 7th best defensive end by Scout.com. Uh, is there anything else here? Uh, Campbell chose Miami over Colorado State. Nebraska? You don't want to go be a Cornhusker? What's wrong with you, boy? Uh, Louisiana State, Michigan, Oklahoma. Well, you know, he didn't want to be a Sooner either. Okay. And San Diego State. Uh, that's about all. Let me see. Uh, uh, shout out to Charles and Natel. Mr. Charles and Madam Natel Campbell. That's his parents. 
Uh, he's got seven siblings, uh, two sisters. Uh, we're going to name all those people. Uh, his father, Charles, Mr. Charles, died in the late 2003. So he never got to see his boy play uh, play in the uh, in the NFL. That's sad. Uh, Jared Campbell, a touring stand-up committee, committee, comedian, also played with Kalis at both University of Miami and the Arizona Cardinals as a defensive back. So uh, this. This about all about his family. Um, yeah, that's that's about that's about that's a good deal about our man for today, Mister. Uh, what, what who are we pausing for again? Do you remember? We are stopping to pause for Mister Number Ninety Three. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, Mister Kalas Campbell Malik Kalas Malik. Kimbo. Yes, sir. Yeah. And with that, my friends, I think we are good to bring our time together to a close. And we do so with appreciation, as always. We appreciate you on behalf of the platform which you've chosen to consume this. And we also appreciate you because you do three awesome sauce things. Number one, you share with your friends and family. Number two, you care for your communities. And number three, you pray. Not just for the people who lace up the uniform of these states united, but civilized and uncivilized nations all over this world. They're awesome sauce, you know. How about we do this again? Lord willing and the crick don't rise. Till then, for me and mine, unto you and yours. Laters.